Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast. Podcast for the Above Average MMA fan, hosted by an Above Average man. And I am that man, and today I am joined by an extraordinary man. You know him as the MMA dude. I know him as my friend Phil. How you doing, man? Juice. I feel like this has been a long time in the making. Finally. We've literally been talking for for those of you, for everyone else. By the way, I'm high as shit right now. I forgot to tell you that. Uh, That's okay. Me too. Beautiful. Um, we've been talking about this for I feel like a long time uh, because I always like wanted to have you on, and but my show hadn't really lend itself to having guests. But then I was just like, I gotta do it. Let's do it one time. We'll just do it. And then every we would literally have the conversation like once a week. Like, hey man, let's do it. let's do something. And then we forget about it. And then uh, I just feel like it's the right time. Um, 2020 was a fucking wild year, man, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved the season finale two days ago. That was where they jump into the future a few days. That was crazy, bro. It was a good ending, though. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know Didn't what? see it coming. I'm to say that, and then everyone's going to be like, shut up, Phil, like, because there's so much other stuff going on. Oh, man, I shouldn't even joke. I know. It's honestly like... Because it's not over. Let's be real. 2020 is not over at all. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Like all like people saw this coming. I feel like like all the memes that were like, oh, 2021 is pronounced 2021 W-O-N. Like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I, I'm honestly like this is off to a rough start. This is off to a fucking very rough start. Uh, like the world bring, is crumbling. I bring the doom and gloom right from the start, Juice, immediately. Immediately. <laughs> I'm like, this will be happy-go-lucky. Let me tell, let me show everyone how awesome Phil is that people don't know about. And you're like, let's fucking talk about the world burning. No, okay, um, so yeah, but 2020 was a was was a, a very bad year, but not necessarily for MMA. Is that fair to say? It is, and I was actually thinking about this uh, the other day. MMA in 2020 was kind of divided into two chapters, and we forget that because the biggest chunk of it was all post-pandemic or sort of, you know, during the pandemic, but but post the initial sort of first wave. And we, we th- like, n- probably 80% of the events didn't have fans. Like, it's been a weird year, but we've gotten some incredible events. And so what I wanted to do with you is just to kind of recap 2020 and, um, and uh, let's kind of do some best ofs. I kind of like last year I did a whole award show and I kind of gave like a, my whole list of everything, but like so much was kind of wild this year that I just want to do something sort of more informal and just sort of talk about all the great moments we had. And uh, let me just start by this. First of all, how are you holding up, man? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually doing, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing pretty, pretty well. I'm, uh, I, I, people are probably sick of hearing me talk about this if they if they listen to to the split decision podcast i don't know that they do but i, I lost like 35 pounds uh since thanksgiving and uh yeah it feels great it fe- i now understand because you know i used to uh i i've never like had a weight problem before this it's just you know i'm now 32 and suddenly my metabolism is like fuck you phil uh and I'd always been like really annoyed when people talked about losing weight, like everyone, you know, cause people want to talk about it. I was like, shut up, just, you know, keep it to yourself. But now I actually get it. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty tough and I'm kind of proud of myself, but that's, um, that's a boring subject. So, uh, let's, let's move on, but I'm doing well. 
I'm happy I'm skinnier. And you know what? That's called growth. <laughs> yep. And I'm, I'm glad you're learning from that. So so happy for the for the weight gain. Love that for you. I mean, sorry, weight loss. <laughs> Yeah. I'm back to 185. Finally. That's what I meant. You're, you're a middleweight. Um, well, uh, besides MMA, what was 2020 like for you? I mean, obviously MMA is a big part of your life and it's a big part of what sort of how we all coped with everything going on. But uh, when I was looking back at my 2020, yeah, it was a shit year and uh, it was terrible for a lot of people. But maybe it's because I started therapy recently. Like I'm, I'm, I'm learning to look back on all the good that we got of it, or at least that I did. So I want to first uh, turn to you. Uh, what, what were some good things that happened to you in 2020? Well, that's a good, I like that positive spin. Um, I'm all uh, about positivity. Well, you know, I would say, I would say my, my sort of MMA Twitter, whatever you want to call it, uh, highlight of 2020 by far was having the honor to get that 30-minute exclusive interview with uh, Gilbert Burns, you know, ahead of his his title fight uh, with with Kamaru Usman. It meant a lot to me for a lot of reasons, um, but you know, just knowing that you know Ariel Huani, who I I'd, I'd grown up sort of looking up to, can't get that interview. I got the interview that he can't get. Uh, was just it, it blew my mind, and and uh, Gilbert remains a a good friend to this day, and I'm just extremely grateful for it, and it's. That kind of opened other doors, you know, when one door kind of creeps open, maybe it can open a few others. And it's uh, so I'm extremely grateful for that. On a more personal note, I'm extremely grateful. My uh, my mother is, is recovering from uh, from cancer. She had a cancer, bad cancer scare last year. And, you know, knock on wood, but, uh, you know, that, that recovery. So I've got a lot to be. Yeah. Without going into too much personal stuff, I've got a lot to be grateful for. I can tell you that I got laid less than I was expecting. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say more. I was going to say, congrats on the sex. Oh, I mean, I, well, okay. I got more than I thought I would in March, but a lot less than I did in January. I thought I would in January. The whole, the whole single community had a dry spell for a while there. Yeah, we did. Oh yeah. Oh, it's still going. At least in, <laughs> it is in Southern California where everything's totally Oh, that's forward. right. I, I, keep, I, actually, I keep forgetting. Well, I had a girlfriend for six months, you know, in the pandemic. Did I even tell you that? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I didn't. I didn't know what the status of that was, and I don't want to get into it. Like, so how's that? But uh, yeah, no, 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 no. We're we're friends and cool and stuff. Um, I think she even listens to my stuff, so she's cool. Yeah, it's it's all good. But we, yeah. Um, so that helped though. That helped a little bit, right? With the absolutely. Sanity, yeah, man. Um, I just, I mean, honestly, man. Like, shout out to everyone who is staying in shape, who stayed in shape in 2020. Shout out because. I'm someone who has always been obsessed with uh, with exercise, and I I've been using you know my passion for combat sports to sort of stay in shape throughout my life. I mean, since I was in high school, and uh, I didn't realize until 2020 how reliant I was on sort of the how do I put this like the gym community, the shame of not showing up, uh, had, you know, because there were so many days where I didn't want to go. Yeah, so the gym culture. Right. You go because you're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to tell coach that I bitched out? Like, I'm, I can't, it's not worth it. I can't do that. And without someone kind of on, you know, on your ass, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, you can gain 35 pounds. <laughs> like I learned. I kind of had a similar experience or at least like 2020 was definitely a year where I struggled with my weight a lot. Um, because 
2019 was the year for me that I got over cancer for the second time. And it was like the first time I was like, uh, okay with telling people because it, it was something that was, I was like ashamed of it before. I just didn't want to have that be like a part of my personality or whatever. Like this guy, I didn't want to be looked at with like pity or whatever, but it was actually kind of, I mean, I was already kind of coming there on my own, but it was, it was our mutual friend Mixta who kind of like, you know, helped me through it and was like, you should talk about it on your show. And I was like, you know, I already thought about it. Like I'm going to do it. And, uh, Talking about it on the show uh, helped me kind of cope with everything. But getting back to 2020, to tell into 2019, I that was when I had my chemo and I had my honeymoon. I was like a svelte 205. Like I was a I was a light heavyweight, and now I'm uh, just about 300 pounds. And that's partially because of 2020. Like at the end of uh, sort of like December 2019. Not even close. Yeah. I know, right? Or not. You were not. I, this man's very tall, everyone. I don't know if you've seen pic. This man is very tall. Very tall. What are you, Juice? Like 6'5"? Six, 6'3". Five? Six, oh, okay. You look you look like 6'5". Six, 6'5 five. Six, five in heels, though. Uh, okay, okay. I mean, I'm I'm like, I'm six and a half, and then I say 6'1", because I'm insecure, but it's not true. Uh, so I was like looking Round at the- up. Yeah, yeah. But I was like looking at the photos. I was like, damn, Juice is whooping my ass. Yeah, I would just uh, I would just lay on you. Yeah, uh, I'm down though. I'm down. Though. <laughs> down. Feeling froggy. Uh, no, what I was gonna say is that around like February of 2020, I was like, I gotta get in shape. This is it. I got a gym membership. I I was going for like a few weeks, and then beginning of March is when the pandemic hit. Or yeah, well, it kind of been building, but then that's when cases started getting really bad, and it was like all over the news and i think about like a week before they officially were like forced to close i stopped going i was like no way man like gyms are a breeding ground for bacteria and all this other nest shit i am not going and so then when it was like official like no one can go i was like okay i felt better about that decision but then i never like I'm very not good at working out at home. Like I need the machines. I need like some sort of other equipment that I don't possess. Like I just need that. And so I let myself get pretty bad. And I leaned on Twitter a little bit actually, because I remember like going on walks in my neighborhood, wherever I felt safe. And I would just like, I was like, tell people like, I need some motivation. And, and like some people were really good about it. And then I stopped and then I had to go back to work. And that really kind of fucking put all the, damper on my whole plans but what i wanted to say about the positivity aspect is that um you know when i look back about things i did in 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 2020 it really started with uh like as far as positivity and like really good things i uh i got my buddy t cross on the show who's a a certified mma ref and uh, we talked about mma for a lot and that that got me kind of like okay i can do this guest thing like i can do something with a guest and uh my favorite mma writer uh people that listen to my show will know i've t- mentioned her probably every episode <laughs> I know who it is. Wait, don't tell me it's uh fernanda Prates. fernanda Prates, yeah um okay. and i had been wanting to get her on the show so many times and like she was gracious enough to like send in a little clip for my um year-end award show in 2019 where i was like giving people like awards and uh the thing with uh, the little kind of Twitter beef between Valerie Loreda and Macy Chasson had happened. And I just saw like people having these like God awful takes. And a few days later, 
Fernanda had a tweet that was like, you know what, like this is what happened. Like kind of explain like what I think is a great take on it. And I was like, oh my God, I have to get you on the show. And she was like, why didn't you ask me sooner? <laughs> and so that weekend that I had her on was right after the George Floyd murder. And wow. Okay. We were still processing it, and I just didn't. I had already planned this talk that we were we were going to talk about like feminism and uh, like what how like women's MMA is viewed and all all these other things, and like that sort of just sort of came as a surprise, and I was so overwhelmed. And uh, Mixta had sent in uh, a voice message saying he was at the because he's from Minnesota, like he was uh, at the place at, at where all the protests started and, and things like that. He's like, no, this is a celebration of life. He had all these wonderful things to say. And I was just like, you know what? I need to fucking talk about this. And then the next episode I did like 14 minutes on black lives matter. And I, I was just like, I, I made it up my fucking duty that I was not going to like not talk about this whenever there was something coming up. And so I, I talked a lot about it. Uh, and so that was like a 2020 was like a year of growth for me in that sense. And, uh, uh, speaking of growth, like I finally started therapy, which I've needed for like many, many years. So, uh, while 2020 and, and the biggest thing for me too, was like, while the lockdown was kind of miserable for a lot of people, uh, it was for me, it was like my wife and I just staying in and watching Netflix and Hulu and Disney plus and just binging everything. And it was the best time. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> He's giving me the finger right now. <laughs> He's flipping me up. Uh, but yeah, we uh, it was it was just great for our relationship. So, yeah, no, that's great that you worked on your marriage while everyone who was single had a horrible time. It was all yeah. worth for Juice's marriage. Yes, I love that for me. <laughs> but uh, let let's shift it to MMA. Um, like I said, MMA was kind of divided into two chapters. Like basically, starting from the what was it? Two forty-seven. What the the Cerrone McGregor card? That was two forty-six. Two forty-six. Two forty-eight to two forty-eight. That's right. Um, but oh, but I the last event was UFC Brasilia with uh, with Kevin Lee and, and Charles Oliveira. So that chunk, and then when everything got shut down, and then when they reopened mm -hmm. with the uh, Tony Ferguson Justin Gaethje fight, two forty-nine, uh, going till the end of the year. So. Like I said, a lot of people are remembering those coronavirus cards and things like that. But like when I was looking back on kind of compiling like my award list and things like that, I was like, oh, yeah, there was this other chunk of fights that because it almost felt like it was another year, uh, like it was last year or something. But it, it wasn't. So um, I wanted to just ask you, what was your favorite card of the year? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, and you can give like a top three. like this is what I love. Like I hate picking just one. So you can rattle off a few. I was just going to say. The first thing I, I, I think of is, you know, look, I know that it's the cool thing to hate on Dana. I think he often deserves most of his criticism, if not all of it. Don't get me wrong. But he does deserve a lot of credit for 2020. That's just facts. He just does. And the truth is, there were a lot of good cards. So that's that's what I was going to say is the first thing. Uh, I think it, it'd be hard to pick against UFC 249, right? Because it was just such a, I mean, it was such an awesome return frankly and it was really controversial at the time of i remember that because everyone's saying this isn't safe and look looking back on it it does appear that 
all safety protocols were uh, were followed. You know, is is that fair to say? Correct me if you disagree. Oh, I don't disagree. Um, I I think that you're right, and and I think that the reason the reason I don't give Dana cr- uh, credit for this, uh, just in general, is because he's the first one to give himself the credit. And I'm saying he does get the credit for this, but I'm saying like, in that general, that doesn't mean he didn't do it. It just means he's being a sore winner. That's all. Right. No, of course. But I'm just saying like, they. It, Another voice isn't needed. Like he doesn't also need me to be like, yeah, good job, Dana. Thank you so much. But I mean, initially, I think I kind of did. I was like, you know, he, he's kind of a piece of shit and everything. But like, he's giving us entertainment to help cope. So I was like, kind of grateful in that yeah, regard. That. I, and, and, and I'm sure a bunch of listeners right now are like thinking, like, oh my god, Phil's like sucking up to Dana. Blah, blah. But just think of this. Just think for one. Just pause for one second. Unclench your jaws. Think for one second, guys. Um, 2020 sucked. It sucked, right? Imagine how how close we came to to no UFC Ugh. at least until deep into the year. I mean, that would have been truly unbearable. Oh, like, absolutely! One escape. It's my one happiness escape. Yeah, you know? and and I'm gonna say like now that time has passed, you know, we can give Dana credit for reopening sports in general because they were the we were the the UFC was the first sports league, um, and it kind of. Painted the the path for for other MMA promotions like Bellator one and and uh, PFL. Well, PFL still hasn't fucking made their return, but like other promotions to kind of get back on the horse. And not, not only that, like when they had that first event, like he was getting messages from like the NFL and the NBA, and they're like, oh, "How did you do this?" And it just was sort of like they're the ones that took the plunge in a sense for for the rest of the world. Absolutely, I think that I think the devil's advocate. Other side of the argument is um, the UFC and mixed martial arts in general is definitely uniquely designed to fit a COVID-like environment pretty well, right? Because you have a bunch of different fighters every week. They don't need to come back for next week. There is no, you know, there's not 16 games once a week and then there's playoffs. That would obviously not work, right? So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not trying to rain on Dana's parade. It is worth saying that the others, the team sports had some bigger uh challenges logistically speaking oh yeah 100 percent. and in in many ways like in my opinion mma has benefited from from the pandemic has benefited from having to do those procedures because a i was thinking how like okay part, part of the reason why some of the fights were so good this year is because it was like short notice so they were just sort of like no game plan just going in there and whatever uh you know and no cardio so trying to go for a finish but the other reason is this um I don't know if it was Angela Hill. It was one of the fighters made a point how, you know, before everything, the way it always worked was that they would kind of wait in the back for like the whole time. And it was just a lot of waiting and, and they would peak or whatever. And I'd be too warmed up. Uh, now I think the most time that they're back there before they go on is like 90 minutes. So I, th- I think that has helped it in some ways. I'll uh, echo what you said about 249 being like your card of the year. But for me, I can't just pick one. So I also want to pick uh, 256. And I know recency bias I, definitely. Everyone loves that card. I know. I, I, I know. I mean, I, I agree. No. But no, you, you're like 249 is right up there. And like the Ferguson Gaethje fight, incredible. I think that's one of the fights of the year. It was devastating for me. I'm like, it, diehard Tony fan, so I'm yeah. still in denial fight. I'm just looking for uh I'm just looking for eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty judges to just turn that result around and, and we can get back on track. Tony yeah. Ferguson still fighting for the belt. 
It's fake news that yeah. Gaethje won. And it's fake news that the Oliveira fight happened. That's fake news. I think Tony would agree with you <laughs> based well, on that 20, video. 20, I'm your man. I'm your man. Just call me. That's all fake news. It didn't happen. Can I just say one of the favorite, my, my favorite things that ever happened on Twitter was when you got Tony to unblock you, when you made that 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 little drawing of the stick figures, like, say, I wear, I wear sunglasses like you. He Not only did he unblock me, Juice, he, he followed, followed you. me. Yep. But wait, wait, it, the story's not done there, unfortunately. I wish it was. And then I complimented him and tried to get his, his uh, I, I was just trying to, to uh, get his, I don't know. I was trying to restore morale. So what happened is he posted after he lost to Gagey, he posted the video of him doing the, the robot dance in the uh, hospital, right? Yes, I, said, I remember that. And I said, hey, champ, any timetable yet on a rough return date? And he unfollowed me. What the fuck, Tony? Wow. I I, yeah, what the fuck? You hear how high I can go? What the, what the fuck? Oh man, I can get high up there. I can get high. But uh, what the fuck, Tony? Like seriously. I remember you telling me that, but I didn't remember that that's what did it, and that's the time, like the timeline of when that happened. That's wild. Um, yeah. Anyone who's anyone who Tony is following, interact with him at your own risk, even if it's a, a even if it's a compliment. That is a. That is a. Yeah. He, he doesn't take kindly to compliments. He doesn't. He. He he really does not. Uh, and Did I tell you my two thirty eight story about Tony Ferguson. I have a two thirty eight story. I think you did. Like that was the one in Chicago, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yes. And you were yeah. with his brother, or, or his brother and his parents. Yep, they that's amazing. Me, they literally let me sit with them. It was unfucking real. Um, and they're by the way, they are the sweetest people. They're the most normal family. I was expecting weirdos, let's be honest. I love Tony, and I was still expecting weirdos. They are not weird. They are so sweet. They are so nice. And uh, Tony's just weird, but I love him. Yeah, no, uh, me too. I feel like I'm I'm weird. I think uh, my listeners will attest to that. And uh, my yeah, family's kind of normal. I'm one of your listeners. You are weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Absolutely. Hey, <laughs> um, so am I. So 256, yeah, we're, we're both weird. Um, yeah, sick. Two, 256 was amazing to me. And I, I know, like you said, it's like recently biased, everyone's loving it. But uh, the couple of cards that happened before that, I did not watch because that was when I was starting my theater podcast, which is another great thing that happened to me in 2020. Um, and I was just like, I need to focus. And MMA is like not really bringing me joy right now. And then when I was you're looking at the... Casual. Are you saying you're a filthy casual, Juice? Yes, I am. The filthiest. All right. Spell Connor with two N's. That's how I like to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just listeners, sorry about that. No, it's okay. Uh, I I was looking at the card for two fifty six, and I was like, you know what? I gotta watch that. Because first of all, like I'm a massive uh, Brandon Moreno fan. I love that guy, and the fact that he was making history as the fastest challenger. I know Figueroa was also making history. Diavison Figueiredo. Let's call him by his uh, proper uh, Brazilian name. But uh, <laughs> I was like rolling his eyes like you fucking pretentious cock. Uh, I, I miss. I literally butcher every name so badly on, on Split Decision that I can. And I know you. Li I mean, I'm pretty sure you still listen to it. I can I only imagine how many times you cringe every single time. I, all I do is just butcher the names. 
You know, it's it's, just, it's my thing, and like everyone does it, so I, I don't even cringe. Uh, but I'm like, it's an internal battle where I'm like, do I want to correct him, or is that is that not going to be productive? Oh no, no, you couldn't because you'd have to correct me seven times every week. Our uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's it'd be a full time job. Um, yeah. yeah, our our mutual friend Rhino from the Combat Sports the Rhino podcast, he would pronounce uh, names uh, all the time. Like that, I would think that were like I'm pretty sure he pronounced like Chukagian wrong, uh, Caitlin Chukagian. I think he was like Chukagian or something. It was something like that where I like I oh. I texted him. I was like, bro, you gotta pronounce this right. And he was like, okay, Damn. man. Damn, flaming Rhino out in public. I love it. No, this. no, no flaming. He's uh, he's one of my good buddies. He texts all the. It's so oh, funny, right? I'm here for trouble. If you can't tell, you're regretting oh, this. You're I'm familiar. This. We've you're met. Regret, you're gonna regret this episode so bad. I'm out to start trouble. Hey, Rhino, Juice doesn't like you, bro. There's uh, trouble. <laughs> you know what's funny about kid. Rhino? Why does anyone follow me? What is wrong with me? Yeah. Dude, I said the same thing after I uh, did that. I was like, what do they call them? The fleets? The Twitter? Let's just call them Twitter stories. I hate the word fleets. Oh, the fleets, yeah. But, oh, my God. But I, added them. <laughs> I did one with uh, with an Irish dialect, and I decided to like start a thing where I was I was doing like old school rap songs with an Irish dialect. <laughs> like I did fucking No Diggity. And I was like, it's going down Fade the Black Street. The homies got Abigail collab creations. Boom, like, ah. In Irish, and then I was like, "Why do any of you follow me? This is goddamn ridiculous." Um, Wait, by the way, Juice, this episode will not be complete without us talking about musical theater. Because guess what? Guess who? Guess who's in musical theater uh, in eighth grade, seventh grade, and high school? Me. You told me you were in uh, Anything Goes. I was in. I was Moonface Martin. Moonface Martin. I, I love the some of the music from Anything Goes, but I can't ever like sit through it. So I've never actually seen the show. Um, but I am obsessed with Sutton Foster. We uh, yeah, go ahead. I don't even. I'm so. <laughs> um, okay. I'll speak. I know what I was going to say. One of the reasons that I knew that I liked you uh, when I didn't know who the fuck you were, and you were just this fucking punk who was trying to steal listeners from my show. And you just showed up and were like, fighting with myself. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fighting with myself. Shut the fuck up, bitch. And then I listened to the podcast because I was pretty hostile when I didn't know you. I'm not going to lie. I was like, this guy's trying to like fucking take my turf. Uh, and then I immediately liked you because uh, you just opened the episode just singing. And not just singing, just sing. Like, just you put yourself out there with the singing in such a bold way. And I, too, am a singer. Uh, honestly, I am from my high school days, but I would never do that, ever. Uh, even with a gun to my head and they fire a bullet, I'd probably be like, just kill me, bro. Uh, and and the, the I, I honestly, I, it's just, it's very cool to see the confidence. It's very cool. Thank you. Um, I recently, I've been, I've been feeling a little self-conscious about it lately. So it's, I thank you for saying that. Cause like uh, when I did that bonus episode a few weeks ago, I did um, Pony. Uh, from by genuine and i fucking listened back and i was like i hate myself so much i was like throwing up not literally but um thank you so much it's just i, I gotta be like true to myself like that's my biggest thing and like that's why i like i love having the outlet of the podcast is i can just like be myself and like i'd say i'd say juice as, as a close friend i'd say that you i'd say you nail 80 percent and you flop 20 percent 
But I would argue if you hit a if you uh, hit a hundred percent and you flop zero, people wouldn't like you as much. That's the truth. Fair enough. No, that's that's real. Does um, that make any sense? No, it does. It does make any sense. Um, like I wouldn't have as much respect for how much you put. Like it, it's all. It's more impressive in my eyes that you go eighty twenty and still that's more impressive than if you were just this amazing a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. That it wouldn't be as a big deal for me. You know, you're reminding me of telling me you're telling the story of like first listening to my show. Can I tell you the time when I feel like we first met? Yeah. Uh, what? Yes, please, please. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously we like interacted a little bit on the timeline or whatever. But the first time I knew you were like listening to my show and that we were like connecting was like, uh, it was it was two moments for me. It was uh, it was when I did that Henry Cejudo bet. Oh, yeah, you like to tell this story. Yeah, I, I wanted to fucking see. I don't know why I'm the only one who is curious. There's Are literally they- two people at the time. Uh, so two people at the time, it was you and one other person. And uh, you were the first. And then the other guy was like a week or two later. He was like, okay, man, I've, <laughs> I've, been, I've been putting this off. I've been putting this off. I need to see it. And then... <laughs> that really wanted to see something. That dude needs to be... You're more yeah. under more scrutiny than me. One hundred percent. You were like, like being impulsive, right? No, you you were you were the one who was like, okay, let's fucking see, like, let's see if this guy's what he's made of or whatever. Like, fucking, what's her name? Pam Sorensen was like tweeting me about. It. I was like, you you got to fucking bust that video. I was like, listen to my episode. You'll know how to see that video. Um, but uh, what's it called? I posted it. I sometimes I whenever I think about it, I like search the tweet and I retweet. It. I'm like, this is my lowest point or whatever. Like, this is my fucking wildest moment. And uh, I remember. Um, uh, one one of my favorite people on Twitter, Lanta Brown, was like having a bad day or something, and and uh, had seen the tweet, and I was like, "She's so great, Lanta Brown. She's amazing." I uh, uh, her Izzy poster, um, fucking phenomenal, and I got uh, a notebook of hers on, on Redbubble, like of that design. I love it. She's uh, super cool. She's kind of a babe. I don't know if that's bad for me to say, uh, but I don't know if that's like not twenty twenty one PC, but she's also really cool. Give her yeah. a follow, guys. Okay, sorry. Continue with your story. She's amazing. Life. And so I, I sent her the video. I was like, this will cheer you up. And I was like, now you're one of three people who have seen this. So only two people asked for it. You're one of them. And then so we started kind of like talking. And, and I listened to your show. And it was right after the Anthony Smith-Gustafson uh, fight. And you and I are both uh, big Anthony Smith fans. But I, I was also a, a pretty big Gustafson fan. And I was just like, uh, you know, in since he's announced his retirement – I send this question to your show. I was like, since he's uh, announced his retirement, what is your favorite moment of his career? And you fucking buried him. You were like, you know what? My favorite Gustafson moment is when he begged for his own life and tapped against Anthony Smith. In the middle of a full sold out crowd in Stockholm, Sweden. Yes. And his hometown. Exactly. I was like, okay, I fucks with this dude. Uh, and it's just been, uh, best friends ever since so i fucking i love you man i love you too bro seriously no you're you're a great guy uh lant lanta's great and uh and you mentioned mixed a man earlier quick shout out to him uh he won't be happy that i say this but he's he's a he's a great guy uh i know he likes to kind of play the cool funny clever asshole which he's a great funny clever asshole but he's what a great guy yeah I, i love him he's amazing um, so let's uh, let's do some more 2020 uh, shout outs, if you will. Yeah. Um, 
So we did our card of the year. Um, who do you think is fighter of the year? Let's start with female fighter of the year first. Yeah, so uh, female fighter, when you said, oh, you know, if you want time to think about the awards, that was like the one I was thinking. I was like, I hope he doesn't ask me about female fighter of the year. And now here we it's are. It's okay. There's not um, really a clear-cut one. There's no oh, wrong answer. I, oh, I know there's no clear-cut one. <laughs> um, but what I, what I do have to go with, and I've given it a lot of thought, and I have to go with uh, 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 Wiley Zhang. Zhang Wiley? Zhang, oh, I knew you were going to correct. Okay, Zhang Wiley. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Juice. Uh, I have to go with that. Now, and I know a lot of people are saying, but Valentino went 2-0. and uh, Nunez has a better record, and she was undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, calm down, everyone. Um, I'm going by strength of schedule. I believe strength of schedule is important in these things. That's why I was so critical of, you know, lightweight Mike Heck from MMA Fighting. Whoops, did I just say that? Uh, when he said Kanzad Shemaev was fighter of the year. I mean, that's just pathetic, bro. Like, cancel yourself. You're gone. Like, Kanzad Shemaev is, is the fighter of the year, and you have your own show on MMA Fighting. Like, literally, go away and never come back. You're banned. Um, Breakout fighter of the year, to be fair, I think, or at least uh, one of them. Kevin uh, or Kevin Holland. I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, we'll get there. I want to talk about Kevin Holland when we talk about the Melford either, but... Yeah, I go with uh, Zhang, uh, Zhang Wali because of strength of schedule. Yeah, and she's my pick as well, but I didn't realize until uh, I was listening to Ariel's awards like that Valentina had a good year. Because here's the thing. It's like pretty historically been a champion, you know what I mean? So if you look at the female champions, uh, Zhang Wali, she fought once. Now it was pretty much definitively, if not arguably the fight of the year, if not one of them, uh, and against uh, Yoana Jacek, who is like what, like the strawweight queen, you know, up to that point. So that matters to me. So if I get, like give her as being like one half of the fight of the year, it just seems right that she should also get fighter of the year. But that was her one fight. She never fought in the pandemic. Obviously, she lives in China, which is the epicenter of everything. So really hard. So not faulting her for that. But it's just hard when you look about other fighters and like, Amanda, Amanda only fought once, like, and, and for the last, like, pretty much since Amanda beat uh, Misha Tate, uh, I feel like I've just, all, like, she's been my default for Women's Fighter of the Year, like, she's just killing it, uh, but this year, I feel like it wasn't really her year, like, she, I think she just fought Felicia Spencer, like, that, I mean, no disrespect for Felicia Spencer, like, it, like, Yona and Jacek. Yeah. Felicia Spencer, it's not a contest. Yep. Uh, but then Valentina, here's where I think Valentina has a case, is she went 2-0, and and it was against Kaylin Chukagan and Jennifer Maya. Now, Jennifer was the Invicta Flyweight Champion. So I think that has some weight. And Kaylin, I personally, I like Kaylin, and she, she has done great, you know, she's done well in that division. But she's not a name, and, and that was a very easy performance. So I still give it to Zhang, but I think Valentina's a close second and deserves mentioning. I mean, yeah, we, we can talk about, yeah, I mean, you know, that that's a nice uh, title that, that she had. I mean, you know, I was champion of the, of the you know, the, the 2019 beer pong tournament of, uh, of, you know, Eastern Chicago. So, you know, a lot of people have a lot of awards that are meaningless. Um, no, all joking aside, of course Valentina is one of the best. Look, she's one of the best female fighters of all time. I, I, I'd be foolish to say otherwise. There's no disagreement there, Juice. Where I push back strongly is with you saying that Kaylin Chukagan and Jennifer Maya 
were anything less than than pathetic opponents for her. I'm sorry, they just were. I know that sounds harsh. I understand that they have a lot of wins in flyweight. That's what they'll say. What are you talking about? We have, you know, we did this. We beat this person in flyweight. I get that. Flyweight's, women's flyweight is one of the, the worst divisions in the UFC without question. I mean, it, it's horrendous. It's, it's despicable. It's embarrassing, frankly. Uh, Jessica Andrade is finally there, thank God. Now we finally have a real fighter who I'm actually excited to see fight Valentina. But flyweight before that was a joke. It was Valentina and 14 people that no one had, no one cared about. And ev God knows everyone knows they had no chance. That's for sure. Andrade is a little different. That's, that's interesting to me. But everyone else at flyweight, I mean, including, and I know you love Roxanne, she doesn't have a snowflakes chance in hell of beating Valentina. And I, I apologize for that. But same with Macy Barber, who mm. I liked. And, you know, all those fighters, none of them have a chance except for Andrade. Just make sure to wash your mouth out with soap after this, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. I know I'm low with the Roxy thing. I wasn't trying to diss Roxy. I'm I know, just I know. And, and yeah, it, it is the, the division is kind of not the strongest. And that's why, like I said, it's funny. I agree with you. Like, we both had Zhang Wei Li as fighter of the year. <laughs> I know, but I specialize in finding arguments with people I agree with. That's my thing. That is your thing, actually. Um, so we, so we agree. Like, bro, I was agreeing with you. I'm like, I know. This is just how I am. <laughs> so moving on to uh, male fight of the year. Who do you got for that one? Yeah. This, now, this, okay. So this is a real hard one, and I'll tell you who it's between. And I think it's it's between two fighters. It's not even close. It's between uh, uh, Davis and Figueredo. I don't care how you pronounce it. That's that was close. That was good. I'll take it. Okay, uh, and, and Kevin Holland. Um, I think there's just no question it's between them. Kevin Holland went 5-0, and uh, you know, finished, uh, and, he, and he, he really put an exclamation point on the year with an unbelievable uh, uh, TKO, KO of Jacare, a hammer fist off his back, which is, is one of the most gangster things, you know, you can, you can do. Uh, so... I'm, I'm really tempted. I'm really tempted to pick Kevin Holland. Uh, that would be my gut. But I'm going to break with it. And I'm going to say Davis and Figueredo. Because the thing is, here's the thing. Uh, yes, Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is absolutely breakout fighter of the year in my mind. He's absolutely most improved fighter of the year in my mind. He's absolutely the best comeback fighter of the year in my mind. So he gets plenty of awards from me. But I do have to give... Figueredo the nod uh, simply because um, strength of schedule. And, and, and what I mean by that is, look, he, uh, he won the belt and then he defended it twice, even though one was to draw, that's still a, a title defense. And he could have been at three uh, title defenses, but the dude missed weight. He went 4-0. And these were all title fights. Uh, you know, I, I know the one was a draw at the end. But um, again, that's still a title defense. I have to give it to uh, uh, Davis and Figueredo. Yeah, uh, exactly the logic that you just said. Everything you just said, I agree with. Um, if I had to pick one, it's it's Figueredo. I hate doing that, especially when it's so close. So I kind of have them both. But ex everything you just said, Kevin Holland's breakout fight of the year. He's coming for the year. All that, I 100% agree. And like I said, with the with the 
with the women's fight of the year, it's historically been a champion. I think I think Figueiredo needs this. Uh, well, he doesn't need this award, but I'm saying he 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 rightfully deserves this award. And the draw. Uh, so so the missing way, like I started off the year being a full on hater of of Figgy. Uh, I was I was. I know pouring out the kool-aid like everyone was drinking the kool-aid i was like fuck this kool-aid uh hated him so much mostly because i really love joseph benavidez and uh i, I remember the, them yeah yeah and, and and for me it was the missing weight and then posting a picture with a pizza slice i know that's like a goat heel move but i was just like fuck this guy so much but he won me over he won me over with the swag with the story of him being like a hairdresser a sushi chef all these things he's got a pet uh water buffalo which apparently, according to Fernanda, like uh, that part of the country, it's pretty common to have them as pets. Like he's not just some like guy that decided to do it. Like a lot of them have that, like raise them on a farm or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, Figueredo, the the guillotine of Alex Perez was nasty, and then to turn around three weeks later, yeah, it, it's Davison Figueredo for this one. Yeah, and um, I'll just say something that I probably. I don't know, probably shouldn't say, but I'm, I'm just going to say, it. one thing that I think is, is cool about him, I have no hard evidence on this. This is pure speculation. Like I, like, like I stick to, I'm usually speculating, let's be real. I do believe, without any evidence, that uh, Davison Figueredo is the first um, homosexual champion, and I have no evidence, but if he is, I think it's cool as hell. You know what? It was going to happen, and uh, what, what a badass. You know, I, anyone who's got a problem with that, go fight him. See how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't, I don't personally think that, and I think I have a pretty good gaydar, but you have uh, many if it is, I love that for him. No, Again, I, don't, I know. Yeah. I look, I, of course I, I'm yeah. giving him full 100% support. Can't say that enough. Uh, but I, I do suspect that he's, he's our first uh, homosexual champion. And again, uh, Figgy's a Figgy's a legend. Figgy's one of the greatest flyweights yeah. of all time. He's a badass, and uh, he, I can't say enough great things about him, frankly. And, and speaking of us, that being one of the greatest flyweights, like that's another thing that did it for me was him basically saving that division uh, because everyone was like, "Oh yeah, who do, so who do save the flyweights?" No, he fucking didn't. He knocked out a juiced hey. up uh, TJ Dillashaw and then went to 135 and left. And he never came back and he let everyone sit on the shelf and didn't get to fight for a title. Uh, Figgy came in as an active champion. He fought for the vacant belt. He, he, he cleaned it out. And, you know, now I'm looking forward to every time this guy fights. And I was already looking forward to flyweight fights. Like they're exciting as hell. Kaikara France, Brendan Royval, Brendan Royval, Tim Elliott. Anytime those guys fight, it's, it's amazing. But now like flyweight title fights are meaningful in my opinion. Now it's like they have something to work for. So him saving the division as well, like are putting that division on the map is, uh, is, uh, what I, what I gave him fighter of the year for. Yeah. Fighter of the year, personality of the year. I think he's a breakout star. I've already said, uh, you know what I think that's controversial, but again, look, can't say it enough. He has my full support. In fact, I think it's great for the sport to keep moving in a positive direction. And again, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe he gets a wife in three years and everyone shits on me. Won't be the first time I got something wrong. But I, I do feel pretty confident in that pick. And again, he's fighter of the year. He's a future superstar. He's got the it factor. And uh, big, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Don't worry. No one listens to my show. So you're fine. Oh, they can listen. It's, no, it's yeah. all it's all good i mean hey, <laughs> I, hey hey my uncle my uncle's gay so i've got i've got many uh many close family members uh that, that, that are homosexual i i 
I'm a very, I mean, you guys know my politics, whatever. I'll, I'll end yeah. it there. It's all good. Um, moving on, I want to talk about knockout of the year. Um, this is always tough for me because there's so many good knockouts. And what'd you, uh, what'd you say? Easy, what's your choice? Because this is so easy for me. So what's your choice? What I was going to say is that for me, gun to my head, it's the Joaquin Buckley one over Impa Kasangane. But I possibly be anything else. How could it possibly be anything else? Yeah. Well, it's it, it just for the fact that there are so many other great ones that I want to highlight. So, like again, if we had to pick one, that's it. Like it goes up to to the wow factor. Like we haven't really seen that in a fight. Uh, although you could say the same thing about the Kevin Holland Jacare one, like the hammer fist from the bottom. We did see that uh, with Nico Price was, and Andy Brown. That was great. That was badass. That was pretty fucking cool. But just just in the the whole setup of it, catching the kick, jumping it, Impa going limp and and falling back like a like a tree slowly just was so like cinematic and the kevin holland one was like i said was nasty it was uh very uh, against a top tier opponent and everything like that but the joaquin buckley one my jaw was on the floor i was like what did we just see the timeline exploded everyone was like making all these amazing tweets that's the one but some other notable ko's uh like anytime chaos williams had a knockout this year what uh like the Jeff well, not Jeff Neal, Abdul Razak uh, Al Hassan. Razak Al Hassan, right? Yeah, Abdul Razak Al Hassan. And uh pointed me against uh Pereira man. I don't know where he was that in that fight. Honestly, I really think Pereira is that good. Is that good? Uh, I think that he kind of like was all like flipping all over the place. Uh, and ever, no one took him seriously, and then he got embarrassed by Tristan Connolly, and then decided to just like use his skills. Like the fight that he had against uh, the Dagestani gentleman—I don't know his name—but um, that was an amazing fight as far as like his performance. And the Chaos Williams one was no uh, different. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely, yeah. I think that's all fair. I agree. Yeah. Uh, other great knockouts I wanted to highlight, uh, other than just, just for sheer like pleasure, even though it was a little bit of like a disappointment, uh, Marcin Tybura getting the TKO over Greg Hardy. Uh, it's always fuck Greg Hardy on the, on the fighting with myself podcast. And that I moment was just, uh, and I was surprised. Well, no, no, go ahead. what do you think of that? Cause I was surprised in the, uh, the truth is I know a lot of people hate Hardy and the truth is I. I dislike Hardy. Uh, no, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't know if I hate him, but I, I certainly have no respect for him for what he's, you know, what he's done in the past to women. I'm not a fan of his. I like to see him lose, but I, I will say this juice. I was legitimately surprised to see him quit like that. And that's what he did. He, he quit. He gave up. And uh, I was, I was surprised. I didn't think he was a quitter. Yeah. It's just his, I feel like it might be his ego, like coming from the the football world and just being so good and his athleticism helped him like close the gap. Uh, and like that first round, he was winning it. And I've always said this on my show, like anytime Greg Hardy fights, like no matter what, we always got to root for his opponent. Like this guy, like we got to make sure like that guy's the guy. And when it came down to Martian Tabura, I wasn't sure if that was like me deluding myself into thinking he was the guy like I usually do or if I actually felt because Martian Tabura has some like credible wins in the UFC and I feel like he has some some decent skills and I was just like okay this could go uh his way however the first round was not looking good he took like six or seven uh right hands in a row like 
what are you doing? I was ready to write Tibura off, but then when he got it to the ground, Greg Hardy was absolutely lost. This motherfucker drowned, rightfully so. And because Tibura had had his bell rung, he wasn't as like aggressive, but he was able to get the finish. And I was just like, in that moment, I was like, yeah. Yeah, okay, so I got a question for you. I know this is your show, but now I'm, I'm switching it please, up. I'm the chaos please. factor. Chaos factor. All right, so we know that the UFC is making a lot of cuts. Obviously, they cut you out Romero, and then they, they kept uh, the gentleman who lost a fight with the door, Mike Perry, obviously. <laughs> um, he, he, and he picked that fight, and the door had some serious hands. Uh, and then he had a child, and he's legally allowed to watch over the child, which is horrifying. Uh, but anyways, anyways, no, no, not here, just Mike Perry. Uh, my question to you is, simple. okay, putting aside your personal feelings for Greg Hardy, if you can, if you can put those to the side, do you think that he should be cut, follow, uh, you know, knowing that they're making cuts, should he be cut or not? And the final thing I'll say is uh, he has not gotten a W in three of his last five. He's also paid uh, six figures per fight. Did I just ruin the? Did I just ruin the uh, the the fairness of it? Maybe okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, like given all that, it's like hard to, for me to put my feelings aside. And here's the thing: it's like I can't really do that because I'm of the belief that he shouldn't be fighting in the UFC in the first place. He should never have gotten the contract. It was all about like. I understand that, but he is. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I think you've got to cut him. I think oh, absolutely. Like, I, I think you got to cut him. I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to, I want my answer to be accurate of what I think the UFC will do. And I don't think they will cut him because, yeah, if I was running the show, yeah, he, he's getting cut. But uh, the way Dana praised his performance uh, was like saying that he, he still looked good. And the fact that heavyweight has historically been like a shallow division, like they need uh, more heavyweights in that division. I think they're going to keep him around, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and, you know, I see a lot of people, I completely agree with you, that Dane is 100% keeping him. I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's something he's even, uh, you know, I don't even think it's a topic in the UFC. Yep. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of people saying, what's it going to take for the UFC to cut Mike Perry? You want to know what it's going to take to cut Mike Perry? Him filming himself chopping off the Tory's head and his child's head and putting that on Instagram. And I apologize for the explicit content. I, I pray that that does not happen. Uh, but that's what that will take. So, you know, it's not going to, Dana ain't cutting no one for behavior. Yeah. Let's right. No, because he, he knows that that kind of controversy sells. Like we want to see Mike Perry get knocked the fuck out. And he knows that. Uh, and, and I, and I, that that was fucking wild what you just said, but you're right in the sense that it's going to take something wrong. drastic I'm like that. No, no, yeah, I'm gonna say it's whether it's that specifically or it's something that drastic. Like it's got to be something where it's absolutely deplorable and where he gets into like a ton of legal trouble for they just okay, okay, you're a liability. Uh, I gotta cut you because what it comes down to, Dana, is dollars and cents. It comes down to money like whether or not what Mike Perry's doing is going to affect his bottom line. And the answer is it potentially could increase it. Like I said, that the factor of us wanting to see him get knocked out. So yeah, I don't think he'll get cut, but it's absolutely the right time. I mean, he looked like dog shit. Well, it's, and it's very interesting, you know, uh, and again, not to jump into politics, but this is worth, I mean, this is, a, this is UFC news that uh, Luke Thomas highlighted this morning. 
Um, you may, look, people may love or hate Luke Thomas, but he, it, it's undeniable that he's a big figure in the sport. Uh, he highlighted today that the UFC had taken down several videos uh, from their official account where they have Donald Trump promoting, uh, speaking highly of the UFC. And I thought that was very noteworthy for a few reasons. Most of all, because we know that not only Dana White, the president of the UFC, but many of the superstar fighters, just to name a few, Justin Gaethje, Jorge Masvidal, Colby Covington, Henry Cejudo, are all extremely diehard Trump fans uh, and have made it very vocal on social media uh, that they're Trump fans. Um, and, you know, they've made their accounts very political. So I thought it was very noteworthy that that was removed. And um, what my guess is, as you know, uh, the UFC is now owned by Endeavor, you know, WME Endeavor, which is a, an entertainment agency in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's going to be very, I'll just put it this way. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, over the next couple of months with the fallout of all of the shit show that's been going on the last few days, because I know that Dana White personally uh, tends to be very, far right conservative. I know he, you know, he, he spoke at the uh, RNC for Trump. He's a, he's a big, big Donald Trump fan. Um, and it will be interesting because, you know, Endeavor is uh, just like most entertainment companies in LA don't have a lot of patience for far right extremist stuff. So I, I see a big showdown looming between Dana and ownership. And that will be interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't even know about that story about the videos. That's that's incredible. And it's not just WME IMG. Uh, one, of the, one of the big points that I took from the sale, or not one of the things that I took, but one of the things I remember, like the highlights, was that part of what got uh, WME to win the bidding war, because if you remember at the time, it was like between them and some company in China, I believe, and maybe some others we don't know about, but it was those are the big two. And I believe, if I'm correct, that... Uh, China came with a little more money, but what WME came with was like the intrigue to get on other platforms and things like like his relationship with Fox that he got to show the pay per view for free that one year UFC two hundred six. Um, and ton of power, they said they wouldn't really meddle. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and and part of uh, what got Ra to even raise the funds was he had remembered that a lot of his like. Uh, clients or whatever you in the stable at uh, WME were celebrities that were interested in the UFC. So we got people like, I think like Conan O'Brien and Mark Wahlberg and like, there's a um, lot of celebrity. Brady. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of celebrity investors. And I think those are the people that maybe have a problem with the shareholders, which are like, you better take those fucking videos down, bro. Yeah. I can tell you, um, as someone who, you know, without going into too much detail, worked in entertainment for, uh, for a few years. Um, and, and, I didn't work directly for WME Endeavor, but I worked directly with Endeavor many times. And I can tell you that the uh, executives there, just like any other Southern California company, they tend to skew very far left. So mm -hmm. I'm just I'm just really curious to see how they handle. Uh, I, I feel like there's going to be a big showdown between Dana White and Endeavor about this stuff. It'll be interesting. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's fair. That's a story to watch in 2021. Um, definitely, definitely. Wouldn't it be wild? <laughs> wouldn't it be wild if Dana White left the UFC and started his own promotion? 
he won't. He's too smart. Yeah, I mean, it would be a dumb move. I think that on, I think that uh, you know, people can say a lot of things about uh, Dana White, a lot of insults, and and I would even say the most of them, I'm sure, are accurate and true. But the one thing you can't say about Dana White is that he's an idiot because he's not. And uh, I think he, I think he thinks in terms of dollars and cents. I mm-hmm. think that served him very well, and I think he'll continue to look at the bigger picture and make decisions based on that. Oh yeah. I 100% agree. Um, Jesus, we're, we're, uh, we're talking about so much here. This is awesome. Super. I'm sidelining that shit out of this. Hell yeah. I'm the chaos factor. My bad. No, it's all good. Um, so we did KO of the year. Let's do submission of the year. Now this is a tough one. Um, the usually, Every year, there's like one submission that's like Bryce Mitchell's Twister the year before, and then like there was a a Google Plata and Bellator the year before that, uh, or maybe it was the same year. There's a lot of like one. There's a, oftentimes one that sticks out. This year, there wasn't a ton. There really wasn't. Oh man, I had one, and it wasn't Bryce Mitchell's Twister that was really like unique and weird. But I've I've forgotten it. It was on the prelims. It was not a big fight. It was not big names. It was a very unusual submission. Was um, but Jimmy, honestly, was it Jimmy Flex yeah. flying triangle? I don't think so. I feel like that would have. No, I don't think it was. Wait. Fly, okay. Was he in midair? Yeah, it was Jimmy Flex. I just saw the highlight because I missed this fight live. But I saw the the submission. He like jumped up and got the triangle. It was Jimmy Flex versus. The poor bastard that got caught in that submission. I don't know his name. Okay, yeah. It's uh, it's possible. I don't think that's the one I was thinking of because I feel like it would have jumped out faster. But what I was going to say is my second pick, and I feel pretty strongly about this, actually. People may disagree with me, and that's fine. I'm ready to defend it. Is uh, Figueredo submitting Perez with that uh, with, with the guillotine. Now, people say, what are you talking about? The guillotines, you know, that's the most rudimentary submission in BJJ. And, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be wrong. It is one of the most rudimentary. Um, but the way that, that Figgy got that guillotine, uh, the technique that he used was extremely impressive. As, as someone who loves BJJ, although I'm by no means an expert, I'm a one-stripe white belt. I have that one stripe with pride. I always clarify that I'm... I'm not just a white belt. I'm a one-stripe white belt. Like that means anything, right? Um, but I'm super. I'm super passionate about it, and I appreciate. I was able to appreciate that show because you know a lot of people said, "I don't understand." I don't understand. Looked like he was high on Perez. Was it that tight? And I can tell you, yes, it was absolutely that tight. It's just extraordinarily difficult to keep a sub in that position. That's why you don't see it much is because of how difficult it is. And Figgy pulled it off uh, flawlessly. You know, that was a, that was a black belt guillotine choke. And it's, you know, it's certainly nothing I could do. If someone got that far off the neck for me, I'm, I'm, you know, it's done. Uh, But that, that'd be submission of the year for me. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been got, I've gotten caught in a guillotine a total of one times. 
And uh, that's because I've only trained BJJ once. And uh, I was rolling with this brown belt and he was just toying with me. And I, I, I got out of a few submissions or positions where I like bad positions to the point where I, like, I was deluding myself to thinking I was good. And then I watched the tape. I was like, oh, yeah, he could have done anything he wanted to me. And uh, he put me in a guillotine and I tapped right away. I was like, well, no, this is it. This is done. So, yeah, uh, to your point, that was an excellent submission. And the, here's the thing. This is why I hate like for these ones, like picking one because there's tons. I wanted to highlight... Um, Darian Caldwell versus uh, AJ McKee in Bellator. That's the, a, oh, that's a good one. Good, yeah. The the modified sort of neck rate. He called it a McKeatine, which is like, I hate when people angle too hard for like naming their own submissions. Like it's kind of cringe. He's got it. He's got to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like- the, the other thing that was notable for me submission-wise, um, well, there were two. Um, and they were both leg locks by by women in the UFC. Mackenzie Dern getting the, I think it was a heel hook over Hannah Cyphers. Um, that was the first uh, leg lock submission by by a woman in, in UFC. And uh, what's her name? Uh, Ariane Lipsky getting that nasty knee bar over Luana Carolina. Remember when she got, she just cranked on it and like bent that poor girl's leg back? Good call. Like that kind of thing, even though it's like, we we look at it. We think like we you, you can feel it in your leg. Like that's painful. Things like that are what make me like pick those over over other ones. So I wanted to highlight those. Yeah, really quick story to uh, take us off topic again, which I'm sure please. You um, but uh, I just wanted to quickly say shout shout out to to women's MMA this year uh, in particular. I know that may sound a little random, but what the hell, women's MMA. Here here's why I say that. So um, I used to throw, uh, when I say I used to throw, I mean from January to March of 2020. So literally for three months. Uh, You know, I used to throw uh, work parties uh, for for, uh, people I worked with uh, where they would be, there would be, you know, UFC fights. I hosted them in my apartment and everyone would come and it became this big thing. You know, no one gives it. No one gave a shit about it. MMA except for me, but it became the social thing, right? So I did it for 250, uh, 246. I refused to do it for 247 out of sheer pettiness to Jones. Of course. Uh, in hindsight, I regret, had I known 2020 was going to go that way, I would have still had it. Uh, but at the time, I thought I was being a clever, petty asshole. And then, uh, and then it culminated, this is where the story really ends, it culminated in UFC 248. And I said, everyone this is going to be the ultimate fight. Adesanya has never had a boring fight. Yo Romero is a killer. This will be World War III. I know you guys came to, you know, McGregor versus Cowboy, and you were a little disappointed. You know, you felt like you didn't get your money's worth because it was so quick. Well, let me tell you, you will leave this party saying that was the greatest MMA fight of all time. And uh, You're a salesman. I love it. Then that fight happened, and uh, everyone's like, see you next year, Phil. And this was before the pandemic, so I was like, ouch. That was my fight of the year, bro. Don't shit on that fight. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Adesanya Romero, fight of the year. No, but uh, it literally ended ended with me basically having to, like, apologize as people were leaving. Like, I'm so sorry. Even though they got Zing versus, uh, uh, versus Joanna, so I don't feel that bad. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, okay, that's where I was going. Thank God for that fight. Thank God for WMMA. And by the way, uh, all of the women's divisions put together 
complain less than the men's welterweight division. 100% agree. Uh, that the women, it's all the men. It's all the men. Uh, fuck men. We're like, this turned into a feminist podcast, right? I've been trying to be like super social justice work. I'm just saying, no, you're like, right. The women come to fight and don't have any bullshit. The men's welterweight division are a bunch of drama queens. You're it's absolutely dra- right. It's Gilbert Burns and a bunch of drama queens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we stand Gilbert. Um, I wanted to say, I, I think a big part of uh, of why uh, the Israel Mabulgiti Mitao Odunyu Uwalafemi Uwalabia Desonya versus Yoel Statue of God Romero fight was so bad was because <laughs> that we had the fight of the century prior. Like, you're, it's never going to live up. Like, I think if you flip flop the order, obviously that wouldn't happen star power wise. But if you just flip flop that, that fight looks better because then it would have been a good ramp up for Yoana Zhang. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, that, that fight was absolutely insane. And uh, the the Yoel Romero fight uh, gave me well before the fight it gave us the like line of the year which got so annoying but it was fun at the time was the fucking promo where Yoel was like Shorty man Diddy boxing and he was doing that whole thing people were like Diddy boxing all, all over the fucking time. No, it was like and he was like he was like go for what you want in life. What do you yes. want? Go now. Oh, I love. Yeah, he's great. And then, uh, and then he fought like, and then he fought like a hesitant bitch for five rounds. So, you know. Not only that, here's why I'm on the fuck Yo Romero train. Okay, not only that, he stayed like a statue for five rounds, expected to win a title that way, and then in the press conference was so mad at Izzy, he was making his translator uncomfortable because it was it was saying potentially racist things, uh, like calling him like a pussy African, all this. So, yeah, go back and watch that press conference. The translator's like, Ugh. and then he's like, Dile, tell him, tell him what I said. And then he, he said, like, he was like, oh, the African was running or whatever. Like, it, it, he made him so uncomfortable. And, and like, fuck Yo Romero. Like, Why that might. If he's running, chase him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you're the contender. Like, yeah, 100%. Make him uh, fight. Make him fight. Yeah. He, he did. Yoel didn't make him fight. And he knows that. Yeah. He didn't. He's supposed to go after the title. Like, you can't just make him come to you. Like, what, what the fuck is that? So, yeah, fuck Yo like, Romero. Yo- it's the exact same argument. Sorry to cut you off. It's the exact same argument with uh, with Wonder Boy. You know, some people like to say, "Oh, I thought Wonder Boy maybe won the second fight." Hey, you think Wonder Boy maybe won the second fight? Guess what? That means he lost. You've got. I'm right. sorry, but I do believe that you've got to beat the champ to be the champ. Now that doesn't mean that does not mean you got a 50 45 them. No, 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 no. But you have to win. You've got to win at least three to two. I mean, now, okay, now I feel like that's really obvious. But the point is, Wonder Boy lost the second Woodley fight. Romero lost the Adesanya fight. Yes, both fights were horrendous. Yes, the champions looked embarrassing in both. But that doesn't mean they didn't win. Right. And, and here's what here's how I interpret uh, to be the champ. You got to beat the champ to mean is that it doesn't mean it's like it's like you said, all you have to do is win three or five rounds. It doesn't mean like the judges are not saying like, oh, well, the challenger probably won that, but he didn't really go after it. So I'm going to give it to the champion. Like it doesn't work like that. But the mentality of that is apropos like you have to go after it you, you can't just do what he did which is just to stand there and wait like fuck him it gave me one of my favorite intros that i ever did which was the the uh fucking what's that guy's name black bear one hot girl summer uh or hot girl bummer i guess it's called 
fucking i was just like fuck yo romero um what were we even on were we on submission Perfect. of the year we... i don't i do not share your hatred for yo yoel romero i have to say that i was highly 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 critical of dana white for cutting him as i remain highly critical i think that was an asinine business move embarrassing business move and basically exactly what i thought would happen happened uh bellator right smartly and rightfully scooped him up immediately scooped up rumble johnson again i, I don't know why the ufc let him out this contract and now guess what now they've got a light heavyweight division that's arguably on par with the ufc so great job dana yeah and, and not immediately though because you, if you remember when when your romero got cut they made a statement saying they didn't want him because it, they didn't want to be viewed as like the washout league or whatever but then they repitched him as a 205er yeah that lasted for 36 hours with the blowback but you're right yeah uh so i'm actually yeah kudos to them because i'm legit excited to watch yo romero and bellator and i i sometimes really hate bellator i'm not gonna lie like i there's this whole stigma of like if you don't watch it you're casual but like fuck man they make it so difficult to watch their shows sometimes fuck them if they were on paramount i would still watch but fuck them oh yeah oh yeah dude i mean you know my stance on them i think i mean i, yeah. I have a pretty stance on them in the West Coast of the United States, again, I want to stress the West Coast of the United States, because I know this doesn't apply to everyone, it is currently not possible to watch Bellator Live. And let me tell you something. Of course, I could, you know, I could go through all the hoops trying to find it illegally right. on a streaming site. But guess what? I don't care that much. If Bellator is if Bellator wants to make it difficult to watch their product, no problemo, bro. UFC is weekly, basically. I'm not watching you. I don't care. Yep. So, uh, you know, that's how it goes. I, I do think I used to work. I, I used to want, excuse me. I used to want to work for Bellator myself, Juice. And, uh, you know, back, you know, when I first started on MMA Twitter, I, I had a ton of respect for them. I even went to two of their shows, which, uh, by the way, for the record, I had a great time at full shows. Um, but Scott Coker he makes so many just boneheaded decisions, and that's the nicest way to put it. I, don't, I mean, bonehead, haha. I know that's not like a swear. I'm trying to be nice right. about it, but but how yeah. how Scott Coker still has a job is is a terrifying question. No, and 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 to to your point, I've been to uh, one uh, live Bellator event, Bellator 170, Tito versus Chael, phenomenal mm -hmm. card. Other than the worst fight I've ever seen, which was uh, Miguel. Uh, not Miguel, fucking, uh, I was thinking Miguel Cotto. Um, Cotto is the guy's name, and I don't remember his first name. Cotto versus uh, Hollis Grit. No, one of the Gracies. F for fuck's sake, I, I know this. Um, anyways, it was C Cotto versus Gracie. That fight was garbage. And um, yeah, uh, other than that, amazing, amazing card. <laughs> I'm like, Great about okay, so you're so right about how okay. First of all, every Bellator event, I think it goes without saying, has a few fights that are just pure garbage. Uh, let's be honest. And what's so funny though, at least in my experience at the two events, Juice, is you know what happens when there's a really crappy fight? Almost every time there's a major Bellator card, there's a UFC card competing because Scott Coker didn't pass third grade, and apparently he thinks that's a good business strategy. And what the funniest thing happens, I swear to you, I'm watching a crap. This happened to me multiple times at these Bellator shows. You're watching the fight. It's an early prelim. It's garbage. 
and then someone behind you has their iPhone out watching a UFC event. Everyone's cheering, and suddenly he's holding it up for everyone. That's amazing. Yeah, I thought that was funny. So where are we on so the awards we list? We just did submission of the year. Uh, oh, and then we had not. We did knockout. We did knockout of the year. I just couldn't remember if we had gone to the next thing. Later. Uh, we already talked about breakout fighter of the year. It's Kevin Holland, right? I mean, yeah, it has to be. I mean, I I know that uh, you, you know Mike Heck from MMA Fighting uh, says that it was it was Hamza Shemaev. Um, bless you, Mike Heck. I wish you all the best in the world. I, oh, I I've, do, I've heard he's like a super sweet guy. <laughs> I we used to follow each other. He stopped following me because I think he. Hey, I think he listened to the podcast because I only dissed him on the podcast, and uh, I, I, he stopped following me. I totally get it. I'd unfollow me too if I was talking shit. Uh, but if you do, I mean, on a serious note, if you're hosting, you know, the MMA fighting show, which was you know previously. Man, the previous hosts were Ariel Hawani and Luke Thomas, so big shoes to fill. And you right. think that Hamzat Shemaev was breakout fighter of the year over Kevin Holland? I do think it's time to turn in your credentials and, and maybe go to you know go to business school or law school. Try to try to figure something else out. This isn't for you. Would you agree though that Hamza is number two? Like who, yeah, who else would. would it be? No, because, I would. I would. Yeah. Because think about this, and like I said, I'm with you. I'm giving it to Kevin Holland. But there's uh, a big. I mean, there's a big difference between one and sure. two. They're separate a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hamzad was virtually unknown last year. So he really yeah, kind of fit the definition of breakout. It's Kevin Holland. People I mean, just don't like to admit that because he was in the UFC. They want to seem like they're diehards. Oh, Kevin Holland, I knew about him. He was going to be top five. I, everyone knew that. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They're just lying. They're just saying that. No, but we knew who he was at least, and and that's kind of my point of with Hamza is like, like you said, the reason why Kevin Holland's the breakout because he really broke out and became this contender and this amazing guy, and we like love to see him fight. Uh, but like I remember him when he made his debut against Thiago Santos, and uh, I remember the Brendan Allen fight because I fucking hate Brendan Allen. Uh, so I I I remember uh, who he was, but I I never thought he was going to be this guy that I fucking like. I'm now I'm like a diehard fan of Kevin Holland now, so. Uh, that's why he's number yeah. number one on my list. And that's how I re- no, you nailed it. That's how I remembered him before 2020. I literally, if you were like, hey, you know who Kevin Holland is? I'm like, oh, that's the dude who lost to uh, Brendan Allen, right? So he went from <laughs> that's Brendan the dude. Lo- no, that's the he went from that's the yeah. dude that lost to Brendan Allen yeah. to uh, you know Derek Brunson saying let's fight in March and him saying I call the shots. You're fighting sooner. You know, like, yeah. I know they decided, but, like, you know, Holland became a, a serious gangster. Oh, no, I fucking love him. And here's what I want to talk about. How do you feel? And and you and I have both been to a ton of live events. Yeah. Uh, you've probably been to more than me, but I feel like I've been to a lot as well. At least I've been to enough where, like, I'm done with going to them. Like, I've been to enough. I The novelty's worn off. Uh do you prefer no fans or, or do would you want the fans to come back? I think that, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, first of all, it's, it's obviously no one will deny that it went from, I remember the first, like 249 people, this is weird with it being quiet. That ended real fast. I mean, I think that was the last weekend where anyone said it felt weird, right? So we can agree that it definitely 
uh, the no fans thing translated without any awkwardness pretty damn well. Having said that, um, I am a way bigger fan of uh, the fans, no pun intended. Um, I just think it brings a different energy. I'll never forget, you know, there's certain, like, um, I've, I have been to a bunch of uh, combat sports events. I've been to, I haven't been to as many as you think, by the way. I've been to three UFC events, two, UFC 214, UFC 225, UFC 238. I've been to two Bellator events, couldn't tell you the names. And then I've been to two glory kickboxing events. So that's really nice. it. Yeah, that, that's really it in terms of combat sports live. Um, but what I can tell you is the energy in the United Center in Chicago before Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero uh, fought was was un I mean it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. The the it was it was sold out to every single seat in in the in the rafters. I mean it was it was filled to the brim. They were even uh, there was a lot of standing room audience that was there. Nice and. The energy was honestly hard to uh, hard to hard to even put into words, and it's one of the reasons why I became such a die. I, I'd already I was rooting for Whitaker going into the fight. I was already a Whitaker fan, but it, it's why I left a diehard Whitaker fan. And I, I like to joke that he he became the Reaper that night because he died in that octagon and came back to life and won. Yeah, he left a piece of himself in there for sure. And it, it, it's hard for me because I don't want to say, like, let's never have fans. And here's why I brought it up, because one of the things I've loved is, like, uh, hearing the fighters talk to each other. And Kevin Holland does that a lot. So that's kind of what made me think of it. Uh, for me, like you said about um, it wearing off quickly after the Tony uh, Gaethje car when they first came back. The, the card right before the pandemic hit, UFC Brasilia. There was no fans because that's when things were kind of going down, but there weren't official mandates and they almost shut the car down. Zero COVID test. I know exactly because there weren't protocols in place. like, they only do things when they have to, that's the problem, but that's a whole nother issue. Um, That one was a little weird because we weren't expecting it. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? But when we were expecting it at 249, by the end of that card, I was like, oh, no fans better in my opinion but i see both and like here's the thing certain live events with the energy you're absolutely right like i was in uh i was at 217 those three title fights like rose uh cody tj that's a big one yeah so i've been to i've been to 199 i've been to 213 i've been to bellator 170 i've been to ufc 217 ufc 223 so i was at both rose and yuana fights and then I've been to uh, the Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. It was just a fight night. It was Lee versus Barboza. Uh, and, and yeah, uh-huh. like speaking of that, like when uh, Kevin Lee got hit with that spinning wheel kick and did the chicken dance, the place went insane. Like you're absolutely like sometimes the energy like goes over the guard. And in that card, I don't know if I've talked about that. I think I've talked about this a couple times before. Uh, when Aljo fought, there was fights in the crowd and there was like three fights. I don't know if Aljos was the first one. I think he was. And then there was more people were literally fight like fist fights in the crowd to where like it was going on during Aljos interview. Like, I guess people were upset by the decision or whatever. Like he was looking off to the side, like calm, calm down. Funk bandits. What he calls his fans. Um, bro, I'm so sad about Aljo, bro. I I, I used to I love him so much. I was such a fan, and he doesn't believe in COVID. He had to do the whole COVID I isn't know. real thing. And 
and now I can't fuck with him. And I can't, I can't in good consciousness, I can't root for him. I mean, I, I have to now take Piri on, which it sucks because Aljo's the American. I should be right. rooting for him, though. But I wish nothing but failure on him. So it's it stinks. Dude, I talked about this with Chelsea and Delilah. I went on the TKO podcast, which is still yet to be aired. Oh, you uh, went? But, yeah. Um, we've, we've been talking about doing oh, something. Yeah. Uh, shout out to, to Chelsea and Delilah. Love those girls. But we did, we did a podcast for a while that's still like in the can or whatever. And we talked about how Aljo just like completely like showed his ass and he was like oh yeah we should be mask optional like it was the the second after he got the fight don't forget the timing it was so obnoxious the timing. yeah i fucking yeah now i'm exactly like you i'm like piotr jan please put your shin to his dome please um and it just sucks and it sucks by the way i just want to say it sucks feeling that it sucks having to feel that way he's a uh He's an extremely talented black American fighter. So, I mean, he, he could be so marketable. He could be such a superstar. And he's and, funny. Uh, he's, he's charismatic. I love him. But charismatic. No, what a shame. What a shit. What a waste of a person. What a shame. Completely agree. Um, but sorry, what were you saying? Oh, we, yeah, we were talking about fans versus no fans. For me, just like, right. I, th- I think it's like hearing the corners because we don't get that often uh but like hearing what the corners say i think that just adds a whole different element to it and i think it can get dicey like when the when the uh fighters can hear the commentary that's when it's a little weird that's why i feel like they should be in like some sort of soundproof booth or something and it's not just that not to interrupt you it's not just that you know what my biggest problem with that is juice the judges the judges yeah that interferes in a serious way. I right. actually have less problem with the fighters hearing it than I do with the judges. No, 100%. Um, it, it's going to be interesting with the Fight Island cards that are coming up that are going to have limited fans. And I think limited is key. Uh, well, Also, I mean, Abu Dhabi fans and like overseas fans in general are different, but like the ones here in America... These cucks woo so loudly. The Ric Flair wooing, it has to stop. I think, honestly, that's probably my biggest thing where I'm like, that's why I love no fans. Because having been to so, uh, the, the events that I have, there's always that motherfucker that's like, woo! And they just, it makes it feel like there's like little birds throughout the arena that are just like, cuckoo, cuckoo. I hate oh, it. I agree. I, I totally agree. I hate I hate uh, booing or cooing unless it's me. The only time I've ever done it was uh, actually true story. UFC 225, CM Punk versus Mike Jackson. If you go back and rewatch the fight, it's the third round. It's in the third round. Mike Jackson is on top of CM Punk, and he's doing his bullshit. He's doing his little, like, you know, he's, like, he's not rolling. looking at him. It's like the bolo punch thing. And it's, it's actually silent for a moment. And then you hear a voice scream, you both fucking suck. And the crowd laughs. That was me. Love that for you. I'm going to go back and fight that and watch that. The one who screamed, you both fucking suck. So, uh, that's amazing. I uh, I really need to go rewatch that now. <laughs> uh, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> that was. Uh, but yeah, no, that's my uh, that's my biggest claim to fame on it on a live event was I just happened to come in when it was a little quiet and I, I was able to get I was able to get the the audio. Well, your tweets have been on the broadcast now. That kind of—I I forgot that that kind of went away. They used to do that. Well, I think they still do it with like celebrities, maybe. 
they do it with celebrities. They stopped doing it with um, non-celebrities, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was cool seeing like you and Kairos and people on there. That was awesome. Uh, I would, I would always. I remember this. I was, I was usually drunk when I was doing this, or high, or both. Um, I would tweet something wild, like something completely like joking and probably like a little bit controversial or whatever. And then I would tag the UFC or like, put this on, you cowards. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm uh, so done. You know what's funny? You just reminded me of something. Man, I uh, I tweeted something a few weeks ago. I, I will not say what tweet it was at all, but it was it was at night, and it was uh, <clears throat> it was at night, and it was a controversial take. That's not going to narrow it down. So I'm con- I'm confident that won't narrow it down, because that's all I do. Uh, and then I woke up in the morning, and I had so many reactions, and it was so mixed. Like I, it was almost fifty fifty. I'd say maybe like fifty five percent agreed 45 disagreed and it was either like yes thank you like preach king or it was like why does anyone follow this dumbass this is the dumbest take in the world and all i kept thinking the whole time was i was drunk as hell i don't even agree with this but i'm not gonna admit that i'm not gonna admit that there's a bunch of people backing me did you delete it this is how i feel (laughs) is the tweet still up yeah definitely uh, you have to tell me once we're done recording. I don't even agree with it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, God damn it. I love you, Phil. Uh, I wanted to do another award. Uh, well, I have two more. Um, I want to do comeback of the year. This is, uh, one of my favorites kind of, cause it's, it's a little bit open to interpretation, but, uh, of the year to find that. Well, that's the thing is that it's open. You could do a, a comeback in a fight, like a comeback moment where someone came back from adversity within a fight, or it could be comeback, like comeback from uh, a terrible layoff or a bad performance. Like if you if you do it that way, like Brian Ortega could be on the shortlist. Like that performance against Korean Zombie was a an amazing comeback. But I th- I think about comeback in a fight, and I want to credit you. Because a, like a couple days ago, you you tweeted this video of this fight, and I was like, absolutely, that's comeback of the year. If we're talking about within a fight, which was Trevin Jones, I want to say versus Timur Valiev. Correct, you nailed it. I, yeah, that's looking at my phone just now. I knew you. Were, that's what you were doing. Pulling it up. Yeah. No, absolutely, because he was getting worked. Uh, I think all three judges scored that first round of ten eight, and then he came back and knocked him out, dude. Like that was some. It should have been 10-7, too, bro. It should have yeah. been 10-7. The dude literally... Guys, if you haven't rewatched this fight, uh, Trevin Jones versus Timur, Timur Valiev on August 22nd, 2020. Now, uh, the reason the fight isn't talked about a little bit more, Juice, frankly, is it's very unfortunate. I don't know if you know this. Trevin Jones uh, popped for marijuana, and they took the win away. I heard about that. Which is absurd embarrassing uh i i mean they've really got to do something about the about that it, it's unconscious yeah. and, and he was a short notice replacement like there should be some forgiveness for that uh he also literally died and came back to life in there like i can't <laughs> imagine taking away that win saying oh never mind oh you almost right. died you won fuck you fuck you bro right that's because the people that make those decisions are like bureaucrats and things that have like no investment whatsoever which is good in some ways but in some ways it's not 
Yeah, but like uh, anyone who wants to tell me, I mean, look, I'm no uh, stranger to THC. I've uh, or CBD, by the way. I've used CBD to uh, recover from injuries. Uh, and the point is, no one with a straight face can tell me that THC is a performance enhancing drug. Perhaps yep. it brings, perhaps it mildly brings down uh, anxiety in some. That's the best you're going to get by far is that it calms some down. But guess what, it does, okay, even for the people it calms down, guess what the side effects are? Your lungs are filled with fucking smoke. You're gonna get tired faster. So there's all, I mean, you yeah. pay for in all kinds of ways. So to say it's a performance enhancer is, is it's truly, I mean, it, it's horrible. And to rob Trevin Jones, I know this wasn't the subject, but to rob Trevin Jones of that comeback was, was unconscionable in my opinion, because he, he he was guys go go watch that fight he was dead in there he i mean the you could argue the ref should have stopped it frankly yeah and, he, and he, to come back and and stop the guy uh who i believe had previously been undefeated in the second round i mean that that's how legends are made that's how and that's how that's how people find out what they're really made of i mean can you imagine how trevin jones felt that night the high he must have been on I mean, you know, if you can come back from that, you can come back from anything, anything. 100%. That, that gives me an idea for another category that I didn't even think about. Who is your prospect of the year? Um, like kind of like similar to Breakout Fighter, but not in like a big way. Just one like someone that just came on your radar as a prospect to watch. Um, I know mine if you need some time. No, I'm uh, – go ahead. You go first. So mine is uh, uh, Rafael Fiziev. Uh, we're calling him Fizzy. Uh, for me, uh, his emergence out of the scene has just been like that fight against Mark Chiacchese was so good. And then to follow it up with that fucking banger of a knockout, which should have been on my list of knockouts, frankly, uh, against Hanato Moicano, just such an amazing, uh, amazing performance. And I fucking love him. Like uh, his broken English in the interviews is amazing. He was like, yes, I love to fight. Uh, please. Uh, do, you know, I'm sounding bored right now, but like. Um, I, I'm a big fan he of. Is uh, from, he is from Kazakhstan, so that may be appropriate. Is he? I thought it was Kyrgyzstan. Like, is it K K R Z, or is it Kazakhstan? Corday, Kazakhstan, is where he was born. Well, yeah, uh, he's amazing. Uh, oh, anyway. oh, it does say that he's a Azerba Azerbaijani Kyrgyzstani mixed martial artist. But I stick to yeah. I stick to my comment. He was born in Kazakhstan. Hmm. But either way, yeah, point stands. He's an amazing guy. What, what's your prospect of the year? Okay, so I was going to say define prospect, but it sounds like that's open, right? More or less, but I mean, uh, I think everyone has their own definition of prospect. So like whatever yours is, that's... Okay, so I'll tell you what I want to say, and then you can tell me whether this counts or not. I, I really want to say Joaquin Buckley. Um, counts. Yeah, yeah jo Joaquin Buckley is who comes to mind. He reminds me a little bit, honestly, of Kevin Holland, but, you know, uh, you know, he, it's, it's almost like the Kevin Holland who hasn't gotten there yet, you know? He, he has, a, first of all, he's got a, I believe he's got a loss to Kevin Holland. Yeah, that was sure. his UFC debut was that loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. That's what I thought. Um, he's flashy as hell. He talks a big game. I love his, he, uh, I love his attitude. He's got, like, a, a big attitude. I was a huge fan of him calling out James Krause for the grudge fight. Uh, I got a little bit of pushback I when I, I, I asked Krause uh, 
why he wasn't taking the fight. He immediately responded to me that he had asked for the fight multiple times and that it, yes. he couldn't get it. And I said, fair enough. Uh, so James Krause definitely getting the W over old Phil there. Uh, well, don't shit on King Krause. He's my, he's my king. You know what's so funny, though, real quick? People were like, oh, man, you're such a simp. I can't believe you, like, gave in. What do you mean you can't believe I gave in? What do you want me to say? Fuck you, Krause. I beat the shit out of you if I see you in public. Is that yeah. what you want me to say? Like I'm some, like I'm some, like you know, cowardly tool who's gonna. Right. Well, what do you want me to say to that? I'm gonna be. I'm yeah. obviously gonna be dignified. Yeah, people put you to a different standard because of like the that's, a the watch you say and the amount of followers. Like people are gonna go crazy. Only good. That means things are going well. One hundred percent. Everyone listening, there's there's no better compliment than being held to a different standard, and you'll understand when you get there. Fucking a. Uh, you know that You're a different standard too. That is true. Shit's different now. <laughs> um, one one uh, funnel where I, I just thought of that I wanted to do, and it's okay if you didn't have one because I didn't tell you to think about this. Uh, what is your walkout of the year? Do you have one? And that's a great question. It's a great question because I love walkouts. Um, walkout of the year. That's interesting. That I hadn't thought of. I know my favorite walkout, and it's very controversial, but I, um, yeah, I don't know my walkout of the year off the top of my head. Who's, who's yours? Uh, I'll tell you what it was. It was early in the year. It was UFC Fight Night 166, Blades versus Dos Santos. I believe that was in Raleigh, North Carolina. His opponent was Felipe Colat. I'm fucking high. Felipe Colares. Don't you dare mess uh, But the gentleman's name is Montel Jackson, who came out to uh, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. And that was just so amazing. Uh, honorable mention, though, and I hate to give her this because I'm really not a fan of this person. Uh, Sajara Eubanks walking out to WAP. Uh, oh, that yeah. song has been like, first of all, my WAP remix has been like the best thing I've ever done, according to anybody and myself. And uh, when she walked out to the song, I was like, okay, Sajara, I give you props. You, that was so good. That was so great when I listened to it. But I had, do you remember I had a specific complaint? That you didn't reference uh, Izzy's pullout game late because he <laughs> pretended to because he fucked him he... at the end. Yeah, yeah. That um, was a complaint, but it was it was it was very well done. It was amazing. Thank you. I uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe that I actually like came up with it. But here's the thing: like I'm gonna pat myself on the back for a little bit. I was proud of myself for doing the Megan the Stallion part where she goes like really fast right after Cardi B's like really slow yeah. part and. Yeah. I'm obviously one person, so I didn't want to record them separately. I just did it live. So the fact that I went right into the like wobbling, wobbling, keep on do the fast part, I was like, I fucking got it. You did great, bro. You did great. Um, yeah. Wait, what were we talking about? So now that we're done jerking me off, let's get into the walkouts. Oh, were there any oh, other walkouts you want to highlight? Yeah. Okay. So I've got a controversial thing, but I just have to. I've got to, I've got to be real, Juice. You're my good friend. Um, Please. I'm, I'm pretty stoned, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay out my heart. Put it on the table, son. Yeah, I'm gonna tell. This is not a 2020 walkout uh, necessarily. This is speaking about a, a certain fighter and how they have the best walkout. Oh man, I can't believe it. I have to be honest. Um, 
John Jones has the best walkout. Look, that's all there is to it. Uh, the wow. the champ is back. Champ is here. Champ is here. Champ is here. I mean, it's so badass. I'm just being honest. I hate Jones. There is no, as you know, Juice, there is no fighter that I despise more than John Jones. None. There's none. It's kind of your I, brand. It's my brand. I despise John Jones. But you know what? We are, I always keep it real. You know I got to keep it real. Uh, Jones has a, has the sick-ass walk. He's got the sickest walkout. That's the end of it. I, I uh, respect that take. Uh, coming from you, that that must have been really hard to say, and, and that's was, called growth. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. Uh, do you? Uh, this is going to be a tough one, but what do you think was your round of the year? Did you have one that, like round that stood out as like the best round of the year? Yeah, it was either. I mean, I it was either in in Jang versus. Joanna or or more likely it was uh more likely it was probably the i mean the third and fourth rounds of of hooker versus poyer were were ridiculous um yeah i was thinking actually the second round of that fight um isn't that the one where poyer almost got finished though yeah but that's why the fact that he like didn't get finished and then came back that's what makes it amazing to me i see what you're saying yeah then okay then the second and I also want to say, like, Hooker, shout out to Hooker for being in two fight of the year contenders, in my opinion, that one and the Felder fight. It was probably round five of the Felder fight where I was just like, how are these two dudes still standing? Like, it was just incredible. Uh, I really love Paul Felder. I was so sad when the fucking judges uh, took that away. But that, that RDA fight. Too? I yes, well, I think we all did. Like, I've not met one sane person that scored it for Dan Hooker. I mean, it was a close. It, it was close, you know. I, it was very, it was very close, but it might like pretty clear three rounds to two. And yeah. uh, uh, same thing with Volk, though. You know, I I have no idea to this day how how the judges gave gave that fight to Volkanovski. I thought that was a very clear again three to two. Yeah. You know, Volk won two rounds. Don't get me wrong, uh, but I thought that was you know clear clear as clear as anything that that Holloway won three two. Obviously, the judges disagreed, uh, and yeah. So who knows? I will never forget doing the show after that fight when uh, Pat Tobin, uh, our mutual friend who I know listens to your show as well, had love uh, Pat. yeah, love Pat. He had sent in a, a voice question. Obviously, he's Australian, and it was like uh, he has some names that that scored the the Volkanovski fight for him. MMA junkie submission radio or whatever. He was like listing all of the outlets that had scored it for Volkanovski. He's like, so to call it a robbery, he's like, really not really fair. And I was like, yeah, a- let me quickly address everyone in Australia and in New Zealand. I'm just an American being a bitter loser. Like guys, yeah, 100%. You know that. Like I shouldn't have to say that, you know, I'm just being a bitter, emotional loser. Don't take it personally. I'm just being a bitter, emotional loser. That's yeah. all. To this day, my friend Gator, who was on that episode, I think that was the Turbo Team episode. Gator, Gator Knoweth. Yeah, Gator Knoweth. He, he always says, Max, 50-35. I'll die on that hill. Okay, yeah. I mean, see, and that's... That he's joking. He's joking. To the Volk people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that fight was insane. I, I remember being like so just amazed that Max's hair... 
in that fight, the fact that he grew his hair and the fact that he had one of his like vintage performances after the not so great fight he had in the first Volk fight. So he was checking the leg kicks like a pro. Yeah. I can't believe he lost. Oh my gosh, we're gonna get on a tangent. But I know. congratulations on a on a serious note. Congrats, Australian New Zealand fans. Congrats on Volk. He did win fair and square. I don't agree with the decision. Neither did Dana White. So there's someone notable who disagreed as the president of the UFC. Yeah. But that's okay. Volk still won fair and square. I have to respect the rules. And you know, according to the rules, Volk won. Right. And here's what I'll say as well. And and obviously, like uh, you know, MMA isn't fixed. The UFC doesn't fix their fights, but it kind of worked out better for the division because now, you know, after that, we got Brian Ortega, Korean Zombie. Who thought Brian Ortega? Well, I mean, a couple people did, but not, not many. No, not many. Not many. It was I like Smokey J. I think even I, myself that week, I was like, you know what? I'm feeling a Brian Ortega win, but obviously, way before that, I gave him no chance. And I'm, hey, I'm, I'm just. You jump back and forth on the fences though i do I, li I live on the fence it's the best place to be um but but brian ortega winning now setting up the volk fight that's a far more interesting fight than like a trilogy with uh volkanovsky and, and max or anything else so i'm kind of glad it happened in that respect because then he hear me out we can have we can have volk versus ortega ortega chokes him out just just first round flying triangle chokes him out obviously that's not going to happen but i think he can win that sets up a Max Ortega 2, yeah, and then Max yeah, gets exactly. his belt back. Yeah, exactly. I almost, and I was, okay, so I completely agree with you. I don't disagree with anything you just said. I was going to say, I wonder if, I almost feel a little bit bad for Volkanovsky. That's the truth. Because the truth is, he didn't score the fight. It's definitely not, you can point the blame right. at people, but you cannot point it at Volkanovsky. You know, I mean, what what what's he gonna do? He, you know, he fought his best, and they said he won. I mean, come on, I I just I wonder. I genuinely would like. This is like one of those questions I'd love to ask. I don't that I probably will never get a chance to. I'd love to ask Alexander Volkanovsky. You know, because of all of the uh, all of the pushback on the win. You know, would would you have preferred to have lost and made a trilogy just to kind of you know, cement the fact that you're the better fighter. And if he's being honest, I bet you dollars to donuts, he's, he says yes. Maybe. Maybe. That's interesting. Maybe he says, hell no, I'm glad I got the W. I don't want to fight Max ever again. Uh, you know, move me out of there. But I, I think Volk is a, I don't think Volk's a, a, a scaredy cat. I think he's down, and I think he would would have been down for a third. I think so, too. Uh, and we'll probably get it one day, to be honest. Uh, that's going to be like one of those interesting trilogies that I would look forward to, but at the right time. Um, yeah, it's it's tough for Max now, right? Because I understand, you know, it's tough for him because if he were to lose a third, it would be so catastrophic for his reputation. Um, you know, so that that's that's I think the issue. Absolutely. Um, I want to transition now to uh, like looking ahead to 2021. Unless, is there anything you wanted to shout out, like MMA in 2020, that was like blew your mind? You want to talk about? Uh, well, you we you didn't ask me for performance of the year. I want to give that a quick award. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Performance of the year. What was your performance of the year? Yeah, I, um, a lot of people, and I disagree with this. This is not my pick. A lot of people were saying uh, Khabib defeats Gaethje, which I totally get. That was quite a performance, but 
to me, there was nothing more more uh, jaw dropping than Israel Adesanya's absolute shutout, dismantling of Paulo Costa. Yeah, and again, it's not just that Israel won. I, I actually chose. I picked him to win a three-two unanimous decision. If anyone's wondering what I picked, I said three-two Adesanya decision. And I was so wrong. I mean, he did he even get hit five times? I mean, I, I don't think so. Not cleanly. He toyed with Paulo like Paulo was a you know like a, like a like a four year old. I mean, it was he, he made him really, look average. He, yeah. he made him look like he made him look like a, you know like a Tuesday night contender. Um, it was it was crazy. I mean, and, and Costa was undefeated technically. You know, coming into that. So, I mean, I just can't say enough about Adesanya's performance. I, I'm still in shock a little bit about how easily he toyed with Costa. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, it was a great moment for me uh, as, a, as an Izzy fan, having to deal with those fucking clowns uh, for, for weeks and weeks. And they were like, oh, skinny clown, going to knock out your boy. Like, fuck out of here, you fucking faceless cuck. But... Uh, isn't it funny how many avatars just uh, change from from Costa to someone else after that? I know. Our boy uh, Yugi MMA had this great tweet recently, uh, like a couple months ago, that was like, "Y'all fickle as fuck. Where are the Sean O'Malley avatars? You used to see them all over the place. There's no Sean O'Malley avatars anymore." And I'm like, "Yes, he's so right." I always want to respond to those, but I don't because I'm always thinking, oh, that's just going to attract the, the trolls. But the answer is simple. Well, yeah, I mean, you, those are all 13-year-olds, and 13-year-olds yep. have a short attention span. And if you lose, they're moving on to the next one. And, they, you know, they're not thinking too much. They're 12 or 13 years old. You know, they're, they're little kids, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely right. Um, I had a tweet from my personal account uh, during, well, maybe it was on the cusp of the pandemic. I'm not sure, but it was kind of earlier in the year, like March or April. Um, and since I locked my account, I, I don't get many interactions. But this yeah, one... You stop doing that because I get complaints from people. Okay, dude, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm interrupting you. I don't care. That's okay. Uh, I get DMs. I get DMs from people when I interact with you. Being you like, told me this. What what did he say? I can't see it. People that don't know you are like, right. what? Why are you interacting with this hidden account? People <laughs> are fucking wild. I'll tell you off air why why I lost it. And that, but I'm also a cartoon, so I don't have much. I'm a I per, I portray myself as a cartoon, so I should shut the fuck up. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Um, but I was gonna say I had a tweet on that account that was like. Uh, if you have a fighter, Avi, I assume you are 12. And oh, yeah. people got big mad. I had people, like one guy, and some of them were funny. They were kind of taking the joke. They were like, oh, actually, I'm 16. <laughs> Which I don't know like, if they're being serious or whatever. But like, See, that's good. That's actually a good response. Right. But uh, fucking A. 2020 in MMA. Sum it up in two sentences. Ooh, oh my God. Sum up 2020 MMA in two sentences. I, I'm ridiculous for putting that limit. You can just oh, sum it up go. in a quick blurb. You go. You go. Okay. I'll say 2020 in MMA has been categorized by a few things. Fighters have learned their worth and 
they have capitalized on the opportunity, whereas I feel like they didn't really do that before. They're really taking it. Some people, some fighters took advantage of the pandemic, like Kevin Holland, Angela Hill, and it's been great for their careers. So um, 2020 for me will be the year that we learned that fans at live events uh, are actually sucky. That's, again, my controversial take. How'd you do an English class? Because that was a run-on sentence. It was terrible. All all of my uh, tweets are run-on sentences. That's okay. No, I'm just I'm being as smart as. Um, <laughs> I was horrible in math and science, so I had to get good in English because my life depended on it. Um, uh, and then I still use run-on sentences, uh, like right now. But um, wait, I just had a brain fart. I'm sorry. What was the question? I just had an answer. Sum up Ready? 2020. Uh, in MMA. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Summing it up. Um, I would say that every... Okay, I'll say this. Every year prior to 2020 was the year of the champions. 2020 was the year of the contenders. That's actually... Phil, that may be your best take of all time. That That's so true. And I didn't even think best about take that. take of all time. Deuce. I've had some takes. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. No, that that's really good. You're you're absolutely right. A, a lot of the champions were inactive this year, and it was it was because they didn't want to risk their their belt. And and uh, some of them are international, couldn't fight. But no, that's absolutely. It was the year of the contender. It was so many contenders emerging. You're on the nose, 100. percent Even and even uh, I would even go so far as to argue that Finky started off as a as a contender. Yeah. You know, he did. And, so it was just, uh, to me, it was a year of a lot of fighters who were smart taking advantage of an unusual situation, right? Kevin Holland went from, I barely know his name, Bum, who just lost, to why is this guy not fighting for the interim belt? Yep. That's quite the change. Quite the change, indeed. Like, I think Kevin Holland should be fighting Whit- Whitaker for the interim title. Frankly, I think he deserves it. I mean, Hammer Marvin, but not Costa. That's for sure. Yeah, not Costa. Fuck Costa. Uh, if there was an interim belt on the line, I'd say it would be uh, Kevin Holland and Robert Whitaker. I think that's the right call. Um, A lot of people say Marvin. What do you think of that? Fuck him. I mean, like, fuck him. Like, well, you don't like Marvin. <laughs> I don't like Marvin, but no also one, like he just no came on the he was like number thirteen or whatever, and then he beat Jack Hermanson. Like, okay, that vaults you in the rankings, but one win like that doesn't mean you fight for a title next. Like I I don't I don't know. Uh Marvin no, Vittori just annoys Marvin me. Needs, Marvin needs a PR team, and I don't say that I don't say that often. I'm not Mr. PR and Mr. Strict PR, but I read I read Marvin's tweets and I'm like, yo, homie, you got you gotta talk to someone about about how you come off, man, because you 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 are just you had the charisma of a recently deceased right. goldfish. I mean, this is a guy who was at a restaurant with his brothers, and it was an Italian restaurant, and they got so mad that it wasn't authentic Italian that they went back to the kitchen and cooked it. I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that. Look up that story. It's interesting. It's kind of funny. Because that is a very Italian thing to do. But it's also like, bro, I think they were in Texas. Like, are you expecting authentic Italian in Texas? Get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah. Um, 
Marvin's funny. I'll never forget. See, and, and this is like, I don't like saying I'll never forget or like, this is what I think of when I think of him. But unfortunately, it's just the case. I remember that. I don't remember who he fought uh, right before Jacare. I'm sure you do. Uh, was it Darren Stewart or was that the fight before them? I don't remember. Did he even fight Jacare? I thought that fight fell through. I thought that's why Kevin Holland, because Kevin, Kevin Holland was supposed yeah, to wait. fight yeah, Jack Hermanson. Right. And then Vittori was going to fight Jacare, and then they basically flip flop because of the positive COVID test. Oh, 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 my bad. Who are we talking about now? I was talking about Holland. Were we talking about Vittori? Vittori, yeah. Marvin yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, thank you. Oh, no, that's right. Thank you. Um, I'll never forget. I'm sorry, you're right. I did get confused. His fight prior to Jack. He won, and it was a decision, I believe. And then right afterwards, and maybe it was a knockout. I don't, I don't remember. All that matters is that right afterwards he gets interviewed, and they're like, Marvin, how do you feel? And he's like, I feel okay. I'm a little upset with my performance. Uh, you know, when I get in there, sometimes I can be a little autistic. I just become autistic. And I was like, ooh, why did you have to go It was really there? cringe. Yeah, that that's what I will remember as well. Like it, it's just like yeah. I just remember it's the guy who makes fun of autistic people, which yeah. might be unfair, but that's just how it is. Right. No, then that's another reason to add to the fuck Marvin Vittori list. Yeah, um, but he is good, and he's he, he's he's a very good fighter. He's got a lot of toughness. Uh, Jack Jack Hermanson, you know, was tough as hell, and he he outgutted him. And and uh, I mean, I, I would like to see Vittori fight a, you know, a top middleweight. And I do think, by the way, everyone, uh, everyone shat on Dana White for saying middleweight's the best division. And I agree it's not, but. It's one of the most exciting right now. Dana's correct that middleweight is heating up in a very special way. It's more exciting than it has been in a few years. That, Absolutely. I think that's fair. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. I do want to p- pivot to 2021. What are some things you don't have to make any bold predictions or whatever, but what are some things you'd like to see in 2021 or something that maybe is already booked that you're excited about? Let's kind of look forward to, to the rest of the year uh, right now. Can I make a bold prediction? Please. Francis Ngannou is going to, first he's going to knock out Stipe Miocic. That's going to uh, piss I'm, people so, off. I, I know. I know there's a lot of Stipe fans. Guys, I totally understand. Steve, don't worry. Stipe's the goat of heavyweights. Don't take it too hard. But he's completely fucked in the rematch with Francis. He's done. He's getting knocked out. Just deal with it. And then after that, Ngannou's going to fight Jones. And Jones is going to get slept possibly even worse. Definitely. They're both going to get slept inside one round. That's my, that's my bold 2021 prediction. Can I just tell you, if that comes true... Not the Stipe one. I'll be sad about the Stipe one, but I do agree that, uh, you know, after the war with DC, it, it, he's more susceptible to a bomb from Francis, so that could very well happen. I'll give you that. If Ngannou knocks out Jones, I am going to be he's so going. happy. I don't even have this kind of pull, but I'm going to throw a parade in Francis's honor. Oh, Jones is getting knocked out, bro. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Because he, he doesn't have the... Everyone says, oh, he's such a good evader. He's such a good counter-striker. He was. He was. Now he just has a good chin, as we've seen. He just has a good chin now. Let's see how that chin goes against Francis. Let's see. Let's run it. Uh, couldn't have uh, said it better myself. Um, something I'm looking forward to in uh, 2021 Um I really hope that this is the year that we get Izzy versus Jones 
they've talked about it before as being like even like before 2020 happened even before the pandemic every everything that went down uh they were like yeah let's do it in 2021 i think this was when he beat whitaker when jones was like calling him out he's like no i'll fight you in 2021 bro like this is the year uh he is gonna beat jan uh, is he that is is he's gonna be jan blahovich i think anyway um and uh fight is i think that uh i think that fight's a lot more complicated than people are thinking but go ahead continue yeah yeah yeah. no it's gonna be tough i'm not saying he walks through yon i'm just saying like personally i favor him yeah. i'm a fan obviously i'm gonna like be yeah. optimistic about it um and then i think that would set up the jones fight perfectly uh so that's kind of what i want to look forward to other than that i Do you look think forward to happen in 2021 specifically probably so, towards the end you do okay that's okay Continue. But it but it, it very much hinges on the heavyweight business that's going on. So there's a good chance it doesn't. But I just that I'm just putting it out there as like this is my aspiration for 2021. This is what I hope to happen. Yeah, I, well, I agree. First of all, I agree with you on that. Um, I went from being very afraid of Izzy versus Jones because I was this big Izzy fan who hates Jones, and I kept thinking Izzy's too small, he's going to lose. I've completely changed my mind, uh, and I'm very confident in saying that I haven't changed my mind due to emotions. Again, guys, I don't do that. Like, If you don't believe me, just go look at my fight picks. Go back to Split Podcast. Go see what my picks are. No, you're right. I haven't picked John Jones. I haven't picked against John Jones once, actually. I've never picked yeah. against him. Uh, but I would pick against him in a 205 fight with Izzy uh, yes. Sanya. At heavyweight, now, it gets a little dicey. If it's heavyweight, Jones is going to whoop his ass. Yeah. No, but, I, I, would, I would tend to agree with you, even though I'll never say that uh, ever again. <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll see. I hope that fight happens, Juice. I... I'm very skeptical it happens, I'll be honest, because if there's one thing that we know about John Jones, he does not uh, embrace risk. I understand that going to heavyweight is a risk in and of itself. It's a calculated risk. It's a calculated Well, yeah, and, and don't even get me started on my theories on why that happened when it did, because... I can I can go for a while on that one, but uh, anyways, it was interesting timing. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, it's been a lengthy. Uh, it's he's taken his time on another interesting piece of evidence, perhaps. But anyways, uh, almost like he's been suspended. But not saying that at all. Uh, I'm sure he's never been a drug cheat and isn't doing it now. Uh, even though we put on 20 pounds of muscle in like 10 weeks. Anyway, anyway, I'm sure he's very <laughs> fair and he's fighting fairly like he always does. And uh, God bless him and his fairness. Can I tell you something that never gets old to me? When you call him a drug cheat on Twitter, he said that he was juiced to the gills and he's cheated. I feel like the number changes every time. It's like four times, five times, six times. And you have those fucking people that are like, you saw to clear him. And, and the, you argue with them about which fights he was exonerated and which he wasn't. And I feel like nobody is right. And it make, I'm here for it. I'm just like, yeah, keep going, please. Like, if more. Anyone has, yeah, and, and anyone who's listening, if you've got questions about John Jones, is he a drug cheat? Is he not? All you've got to do is go just go look at his Wikipedia. Half half of the Wikipedia is about how much of a drug cheat he is. They had to dedicate half the friggin' Wikipedia to it. One hundred percent. On that note, I think there's no better way to win. We've kind of reached our our time limit here. 
Um, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming. But uh, before we let you go, uh, the floor is yours. Tell people where to find you and uh, plug anything you've got going on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Juice. Thanks for the time, man. Um, so, guys, you can listen to me on the Split Decision podcast. That is four words if you're searching on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, whatever. It's the Split Decision Podcast. Four words. You can reach us on, on Twitter at, at Split Podcast, or you can follow me at Phil the MMA Dude. My co-host uh, is at the Fight Geek MMA. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Okay, like I said, this has been a long time in the making, and I'm so grateful for you for coming on. And I hope 2021 is a, a really uh, amazing year for you, you know, both creatively and personally. Thanks, Juice. You're the man, and uh, hopefully, once you know, hopefully soon we can we can meet up in person once all this craziness, COVID stuff is done, and I can see that uh, that Ravens claw tattoo uh, that, that you showed off. All right, all right. Yeah, I mean, I told you I went to the Universal tour and they said Slytherin twice as I was putting the hat on. It was pretty funny. So Slytherin for life. We're arch enemies now. I'm just kidding. Uh -oh. No, uh -oh. Ravenclaw is like the second most evil, I thought. I don't know. I don't know. It is what it is. Um, okay. All right. Thanks, Juice. I appreciate it, bro. No worries, man. Have a wonderful day, everyone listening. I uh, hope you have a wonderful day as well. And good night. And good fights.